I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue the ksl greenhouse information and great talk about your home garden and your lawn if you love perennials can't get enough help on landscape design or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest free grab a pen it's the ksl greenhouse on ksl news radio good morning and thank you for joining us for the ksl greenhouse maria shaleos ton bettis with you this morning happy to be with you even though it's dark and cold outside and i won't start getting whiny already not really great for me to be out gardening i noticed though ton that the ground is frozen already yeah, in areas it has, when we start getting down into, especially the mid-20s daily, it'll oftentimes thaw out by afternoon if it's only a few inches deep and you can still work. Mm-hmm. But if we continue with this colder weather, then it may just, you know, it usually freezes 18 inches to maybe two feet deep. My son's puppy had dug up some bulbs, and so I wanted to replant them. And it was a little bit, you know, the top was definitely frozen Probably the first inch was frozen solid. Yeah, that's the challenge with this time of year is you never know what you're going to get because many of the previous 10 years have been in the mid-50s and through Thanksgiving, and we really haven't had any precipitation until December, January. This year, the precipitations hit in late October, and I looked at the forecast at least for Santa Quinn yesterday mm-hmm. and after today, it's saying rain and snow every day for the next five days. Couldn't it have waited till after the football game today? That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Okay. All right. So we wanted to start. The plan of the week uh, today is a tree, the Norwegian sunset. So tell us about this tree. Well, Norwegian sunset maple is one of the few maples that will go an orange red in the fall that you don't that's not too finicky mm-hmm. with their soil. Many of the other trees that we want to plant, the sugar maples, the red maples, autumn blaze maples, need supplemental iron and oftentimes supplemental other nutrients to keep them healthy. And there's a group of trees that I don't even know what the whole group's called, but Norwegian sunset, Pacific sunset, Ruby sunset, there's several of them 
And this was one I talked to JD yesterday, and it's among his favorite maples as far as this series goes. It's really fitted to our smaller yards. And so if you're sitting with, you know, a fifth of an acre, it will fit your lot without overwhelming it. And they're relatively trouble free as far as just growing them. And it's beautiful. It is. I'm looking at the foliage on there. Those leaves are that beautiful crimson color. They really are that a beautiful color. And I think that one of the only challenges with this tree is that it has a darker colored smooth bark when they're young. Why is that a challenge? Well, it's a challenge because the sun hits that darker color in the winter and heats it up. Oh. And you get sap flow and the bark freezes at night. And I've, you know, Cameron Alcott over at Progressive Plants has mentioned this with the challenge with these trees also that they get southwest winter injury if they're not wrapped. Hmm. We have a video later on wrapping tree trunks. I'm excited to see it. So we'll talk about that at 10 o'clock hour, but it does need to be wrapped every winter until it really starts to develop that quirky bark. And even then... You know, if it's in a really hot location that gets a lot of reflected heat, you know, even in the winter, you may consider wrapping it, you know, even then. We are going to talk about wrapping trees uh, in the 10 o'clock hour, and then we're going to put up a video on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page or on the YouTube channel that you can catch as well. Yes, and so this particular tree is widely available normally. We've been, you know, sick of saying it, shortages. So this is one that you'd probably be able to purchase in the spring. Its sister tree, Pacific Sunset, is very similar in size and shape. This one, I think J.D. likes. It's just a little bit better shaped, in his opinion. Now, I spoke with Michael Karen, who's another frequent guest, another horticulturist, and he wasn't so thrilled with it. Not his favorite. And Mike likes a tree that will grow... In any situation, you know, he lives in Saratoga Springs and the soil out there is clay and salty and in situations, the irrigation isn't great. And Mike was like, yeah, if I planted that in my yard, people would be asking me why it died and thinking I killed it. And I didn't. And so this is, yeah, this is one that, you know, if you're getting too close to the Great Salt Lake or too close to Utah Lake, it's not appropriate, but if you are along the I-15 corridor on either side, especially east of I-15, it's a great tree. You know, and that's why it's important to do research on what you want to plant in your yard, especially when it's an investment like a tree. Yeah. And in Mike's perspective, this isn't a great tree for his landscape. Right. You know, and it, we have a tendency to roll into garden centers, say, ooh, look, pretty, let's buy it. And without knowing a lot about it, we assume because it's sitting there, it must grow in Utah, and in many situations, it won't, you know, at least in every area. And you're so right. You go into the garden center, and for example, the Tricolor Beach, which is still my favorite. Um, I go in there, and I think, oh, that is a beautiful tree. But then you think about how you're going to use it, how it sits in your yard, and the fact that it's beautiful for the first half of the summer, then it starts to get a little bit of sun-scorched. Yes, and it does, and then by fall, it's oftentimes... You know, those leaves are 50% scorched. It doesn't seem to harm it, but it does affect the look. And so these are things that you have to consider. And so like in Mike Karen's situation, the oaks are a much better um, tree because they are more tolerant of his soil conditions. You know, hackberry and 
there's many trees that will grow out there, but the maples are not the best selection. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is this is a great tree Mm -hmm. if you live in the right areas. And so you need to know a little bit about your soil, a little bit about your growing conditions. But in 70% of the Wasatch Front, I wouldn't hesitate to plant it. Okay. So how about water? How does it do with water? Average amount of water. Once it's established, it needs to be deep watered every 10 days to two weeks to a depth of 18 to 24 inches. And so when I say that, people are like, well, how do I do that? Hose and sprinkler. If it's in lawn, just run your sprinklers as normal and maybe go out once a month and just with a hose and sprinkler, water for an extra 45 minutes under the canopy just to drive that water a little deeper. And it is a beautiful tree. It is. And you can see more about the Norwegian sunset maple on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. You will find a fact sheet there and pictures, so you can see it for yourself. We're going to take a break and come back with your calls and your text questions. All you need to do is dial right now. Phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can also text us, 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning. Phone lines are open. If you get your call in early, we can talk to you right now. Number to call 801-575-8255. And you can also text us your questions at 57500. First listener this morning, Ton says, is it bad to mulch the leaves with a mower and then not bag them this late in the season, especially to avoid snow mold? It is dependent on how thick the leaves are. And so if you have one leaf every three or four inches and you can see the lawn through them, by all means, just mow over them and you're fine. But if you can't see the lawn before you start running the mower over, they still may be a bit thick and they would actually contribute to snow mold. And so in that situation, you know, if you run over them once with a mower and then bag them, you'll get more in your mower bag, and you won't collect all of them, but what's left over will be okay. So it's just one of those things that you need to look at how dense the cover is, and if it's a pretty light cover, just chop them up. But if it's really heavy, you need to collect them. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is put a blanket over your lawn for the winter. Yes, and if you, especially if those leaves are chopped up, if there's enough of them, they form a very thick mat, and it's hard for oxygen to penetrate through, and you can actually smother your grass. Mm-hmm. 
So how about now that uh, some of us have our soil that's frozen solid, um, we can still put leaves on top of those in the like our flower beds and our vegetable gardens? You can. What's what will happen, happen is <laughs> the soil will stay cooler and frozen longer. But it's not, that bad? not necessarily. You know, I think that the soil will thaw out on warmer days. I know that even though we're supposed to be getting rain, that we're supposed to be in the 50s, maybe even high 50s, on those days by afternoon, it may thaw out. As long as it's not excessively muddy, you could mix those leaves in still. But if it's really wet, you don't want to run a tiller through really wet soil. Right. And I thought the whole idea was to give more nutrients to the soil. And if they're just sitting on top, does it actually do that? Eventually. They will take longer to break down, but they do break down. And the nutrients and that organic matter as it decomposes works its way into the top three or four inches of soil just more slowly. And so you still get the benefits. It just takes a little longer. Okay. Do we need to also be aware of how deep uh, we put those over, you know, vegetable garden? If they're loose, not really. It's just harder to till them in in the spring if they're not done yet. But if you want to just put them out there, snow will usually pack them down and you can just till them in in the spring and that's fine. But again, mulch them up. Don't mulch put them up, up, you know, the whole leaves out there. Yeah, if you can avoid it, if you put the whole leaves out there, it just is really, really hard to deal with. But if you'll mull them first and then put them out there, even if you leave them loose that way, they'll be easy to deal with in the spring. Are there any perennials where it's actually beneficial to have some leaves around the base to protect those plants? Yes, if and, and this would just go more for any sort of mulch, but the calla or the canna lilies are one that we've often considered an annual, but if they have three or four inches of mulch over the top of them, they actually will overwinter for years. Hmm. They're hardy down to a zone seven or eight. And so that's one, but anytime you have a marginally hardy perennial, you know, I, I was talking, we were talking about an architect earlier and I arranged to get a couple of uncommon manzanita species mm-hmm. that she's going to plant, but there's only seven plants and hardy down to maybe zero. And so for the first three or four years, she's going to pile up leaves around the base of those plants just in case the tips get nipped. It'll have plenty of branch to regenerate next year. The same holds true for roses. If you have... The hybrid tea roses, they actually are not that hardy in most cases, and so they benefit from some bark, like chunk bark mulch or leaves being piled up six or eight inches into the middle of them so you protect enough of the wood that if the top gets killed, you still have plenty there to regenerate for the next year. I have a hydrangea that when it was young, I would cover it with something. Uh, Now it's too large to do that, but the last couple of years, I've let the leaves just accumulate around it, just left them, despite the fact that I don't like a mess. Um, because it really, I think, protects that plant. It does. And it's especially if they're accumulating under there already, it's probably natural. And depending on the species of hydrangea, again, it's protecting a portion of the woody stems that if the top did get killed back, you would have enough there that over a period of a year or two, it would regenerate. Would there be any other specific plants that might need that? 
Oh, there are many out there. So, okay, a lot of but there's a plants. lot, and it just depends on what you're growing because many of them don't. You know, it's those half-hearty things. People like artichokes, and so usually you dig those and bring them into your cellar. But some people will mix up like leaves and a little bit of steer manure and maybe some grass clippings and put five or six inches over the top of the crown of the artichokes. And there's a 60 or 70% chance that they will overwinter with that. And so it's usually the things that you're worried about not overwintering well because they're marginally hardy. Bostu bananas, which don't really produce an edible banana, but you know, they're very ornamental. And so it's things of that nature that we're really more worried about. I would imagine also maybe something that you've just planted, you know, more recently would be something. Yes. I mean, those, the chrysanthemums, you don't want to smother them, but if you planted chrysanthemums this fall, because they're flowering, a lot of their energy has gone into those flowers and not root production. And so a way to try to get those to overwinter would be with loose leaf litter or cutting them back with some large chunk bark over the top and to protect them so that they can root out in the spring. Yeah, this is where when we had the conversation about mulch uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, mulch can be incredibly helpful. It really can. And not just covering those marginally hardy plants, but... In the winter, that mulch will partially break down and improve the soil. It prevents fall and early spring blooming weeds. Later in the summer, it helps save water so you don't need to irrigate as often. So there's just so many benefits to having a mulch down. Yeah, so if you don't have those extra leaves in your yard, I know a lot of people don't have trees, right? That mulch would be what you would use right now just to make sure you yes. can protect those extra sensitive things. It is. And I, in a lot of situations, some of the mulches can hold too much water. And so I like to use maybe a large chunk bark or even a medium chunk bark as a mulch because you can just use a leaf blower to kind of get them out from under your Mm -hmm. plants. But they're large enough that they allow for air penetration and water drainage. They won't waterlog the crown and a lot of your plants are more likely to overwinter well with them. Hmm. But then it doesn't break down very quickly, does it? It doesn't. And I know that... Is that good or bad? It's neither. It just is what it is. They're more permanent but the chunk barks aren't really in vogue right now as mulches. And so it's kind of cyclical. But <laughs> I'm like, what? We're talking about in vogue with mulch? <laughs> yeah, that? it's funny. What is that? What's popular every year? Huh? But large chunk bark is, is sometimes popular. considered a thing of their 70s and 80s. And, oh. But it has its place. A lot of people like it. I don't mind it. But for just utilitarian use, for both the medium and large chunk barks, you can cover marginally hardy plants. Well, I I wouldn't say I like it or dislike it, but I think it's like what you said. It has its place. And if you use it in a way that it's not the entire flower beds are covered in, in that larger bark, I think it makes a big difference. It does. I mean, if and you're just putting it under a few set plants, it's a lot different. It is. And I, the other use for it is a lot of folks live in the mouth of canyons, and they try to use things like soil pep, which is a very dark, finely ground. It's supposed to be a compost, but they'll apply it as mulch on top of the soil. And what will happen is it washes 
with irrigation on slopes and it blows away in the wind. And so in canyon areas, it's really common for landscapers to use a medium or a large chunk bark on slopes, not only to hold the slopes to help prevent irrigation from washing it away, but those chunks, you would need like 80 or 90 mile an hour winds to really start, you'd have to throw them up in the air, but they hold a lot better than soil pep and finer ground um, compost uses mulches. And so they're really common in high wind areas. And again, each of them have their own purpose. They do. All right. The phone lines are open. The number for you to call 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.